I ain't happy. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine. In, In a, a bag, bag I'm useless. But not, not for long. long. The future, future is coming on. I ain't happy. I'm feeling <laughs> glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless, but not for long. The future is coming on. Susan? Yes. It's coming on. Sam? It's coming it, on. Yes! Okay. Dave! All right. It's coming on. It, finally, someone let me out of my cage now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I... On to East Nas. Uh, Deltron. It was a little Deltron. Does can we like count anything Damon Alburn has ever been involved in as a slow jam? Does like does, does can we count Gorillas as a slow jam? They had some slow jams. Though, Is it yeah, an anime? Because then you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want in anime. <laughs> Holy shit! That's totally true. Gorillas are technically anime, and yep. everybody. There's one rule here at Radio Radar, and it's that in anime, you could do whatever you want. Whatever you want. <laughs> oh my god. I just, yeah, I'm getting, like, as close as I can to the mic. I want, like, some real breathy feedback <laughs> get that, Get that ASMR action in there. Okay, in but you gotta anime. turn away from the mic when you breathe in. <laughs> That's a deep you cut. Do. I, I don't know why, <laughs> Susan, and now it's like, it's becoming like Jack Palance. It's like, because you are my number one. A guy! Yeah, uh, yeah everybody. Uh, welcome back to Radio We're Radar. This is episode 70. And if that, yeah, nor- normality is our base level. Uh, it's true. It's true. If uh, This is episode 70. If you're confused about that numbering, shut up. Uh, my name is Anthony Giacomo, <laughs> Senior Social Editor. And with us today, we have staff writer Dave Roberts. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I said your I said your name right today. You did. did. You did it. I'm, is, thank you. I appreciate it. The first it. time. It's the first and the last time. <laughs> uh, we have executive editor Susan Arndt. The inside of my brain looks like candy. <laughs> what kind? If your brain was an actual candy, what would it be? I think it would have to be, like, those candied fruit slices, because they're so mm. bright and colorful and happy. Oh, I like those. Mine would be, like, those weird strawberry candies you find in old people's oh, houses. Oh, God, those are terrible. That is, like, a candy <laughs> of desperation. Like, that's that's the candy you're like, okay. Like, my yeah. throat is killing me. My mouth is mm-hmm. super dry. This is mm-hmm. all I've got. And then, like, it, you, it just tastes like despair. Yeah, I love it. I like I like unwrapping a bunch and having like five at once, so that chewy. It, but, no, but then, are you sure you're not just eating that old person's medicine? I I I can't. Are you say. certain? But I then, can't prove it one way or the other. But here's the problem. But then the 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 actual hard candy part after you've been sucking mm-hmm. on it for a while, it starts slicing your tongue open. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it a dangerous process. Yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> God, man, now I really want one. Uh, we also have we also have a staff writer, Sam Prell. Sam, how are you, man? The only thing I can think of is the great taste of Charleston Chew. <laughs> All right. Preferred, preferred Charleston Chew. Got Nixon He's doing Nixon. Yeah, Nixon from uh, Futurama because he loves Charleston Chew. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sam, are you a Charleston Chew guy? I love Charleston Chew. I really do. 
Man, it's, I it's th- so good, but not the little ones. You gotta get yeah. The, no, you the got the full bar. size. Yeah. Wait, is there a banana flavor Charleston chew? There was. There okay. was in the okay. in the eighties and nineties. There was there was regular, which is chocolate in what like it should be vanilla in the middle, but really was just sort of like a flavorless goo, <laughs> and then banana and strawberry. Okay, that's what. Okay. So, okay. Uh, this is this is pertinent to our our games today. Because there's, there's this new th- fangled thing called the Nintendo Switch that we're going to get to in a second. But before that, uh, we have we have three games that uh, three folks on this podcast have been playing. And all of them are at least in some way uh, either directly or tangentially related to camp scenarios. They're either in the woods or actually at a camp. When I went to summer camp, we actually had like a canteen if you guys aren't familiar with this term, like the canteen is like the general store yeah. at a military base or camp. So our canteen actually had Charleston shoes. Mm. And uh, the camp I went to was two months long. You were there for nine weeks. That's a long and camp. Long, long time. It was the whole summer. And that's a lot of Charleston shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so you could, you could like pick like one piece of candy per week. And then, like, one useful item, uh, which ended up with a lot of, like, small bottles of Pert Plus being used to have shampoo fights, uh, which are disgusting. Yeah, that's... And I, I... Yeah. Yeah, gross, right? Because if you just use them as squirt guns, yeah, bad. Bad Yeah, because it's, it's, it's shockingly hard to just rinse off shampoo. You can't. Like, it's just there forever. You would go swimming in the lake, and the entire thing would look like pollution. It's bad. So Charleston Chu, <laughs> oh, in the summer of 1993, Charleston Chu was running a promotion. It was like, if you send in eight Charleston Chu proofs of purchase, then you can get a special only through Charleston Chu issue of Spider-Man. Oh, and I wow. was like, F, yes, yes, Peter Parker and giant chocolate bars. Like, let's do it. Let's, let's banana Charleston Chu this half through the summer. I'm going to get that comic. And that was like, that was how my fall was going to start. Because I I knew ahead of time, I wasn't like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes where I was like, it's going to show up immediately. I knew it was going to be like six weeks before I got this damn Spider-Man comic. So I had these, like, you know, Charleston shoes all summer. Saved the rappers. At the end of having all the rappers, didn't send a letter home to my parents that week. Used my postage to send that shit in to Charleston <laughs> Chew. And I was like, man, sixth grade is going to be dope. It's going to start with the Charleston Chew Spider-Man comic. And buddy boy, I got Drink Your Oval Teened so <gasps> goddamn hard. <laughs> so effing hard. Oh, no. I, it, yeah, it didn't show up until like October at home. And sixth grade sucked in general. Sixth grade is always just a bad time. It's always it's a bad aw- time. Yeah. Always a bad time. Awkward as age. And it's just 24 pages of Spider-Man being like, Oh, Charleston shoes, awesome! I no. hope these bad guys don't steal my freaking Charleston <gasps> shoes. Be like, you dickheads, I already bought your stupid candy. <laughs> like, you don't need to do the, like, brand reinforcement thing. Like, most car commercials are just making sure that people feel good about the cars they already bought. You don't need to do that to a kid with a chocolate. Give me a... Oh, yeah, you know... 
Oh, it was oh. also during like '90s Mary Jane period where every page was just the bouffant hair. Why was everyone's hair gigantic in 1991? I mean, that's that was the fashion of the time. It's Ugh. true. Also, Terrible. the bigger the hair, the closer to God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, in the realm of bizarre things that happen to your brain, uh, Sam spent some time in VR this week exploring the brain, and it was long-lost brain exploration. Sam got to visit old friends that have been gone from the video game landscape for 12 freaking years. You played Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Ruin. Is it in the Rhombus of Ruin, or is it just Rhombus of Ruin? It's in the Rhombus of Ruin. In the Rhombus of Ruin. So That's how is subtitle. it, man? You played this game. Uh, this, VR, this VR return to the adventures of Raz and these Psychonauts. So it's kind of... it's definitely different from like a proper psychonauts game right it doesn't feel like uh you know the puzzle platformy action that comes with the the first psychonauts game and that i imagine the second one will instead it's a lot of it's a series of puzzles it's actually um i said this in the kind of mini review that i wrote but it kind of reminded me a lot of uh old style um tim schaefer adventure games because you don't move there's no movement uh, free movement like with a control stick or anything you're just jumping from mind to mind using his uh clairvoyance ability oh cool so, it, so in that sense it's almost like you know clicking on the edge of a screen to go to a whole new screen sort of thing and it also makes it so that you don't get motion sick and it's actually a very clever workaround to to do that um but you get so you get things happen you get separated from your uh your comrades. are you at well if anybody has not played psychonauts ah, from way way yes. back when psychonauts is you you are playing a small orange boy with psychic abilities who has run away from home to go to a psychic summer camp run by psychic super spies called the Psychonauts, and he has the voice of Invader Zim. Uh, it was a lovely game. Or right, so is it? Is Rhombus of Ruin a sequel? Is it contemporaneous with Psychonauts One? When are things happening? It is. It is a interquel. Uh, it ha- <laughs> it does happen after Psychonauts One. It picks up okay. after that. But are it- you at the camp still? No, you are not at the camp. Uh, so it takes it takes place after Psychonauts One, but I don't think that it's. I wouldn't call it like a f- sequel. You know, this doesn't feel like a. It feels mm. fairly standalone. Okay. Uh, it deals with you going to rescue Lily's father and oh. figure out where he went to. Uh, and Lily was your girlfriend. Yeah, Lily was was, your was Raz's Tim Burton esque girlfriend. Yeah, Everybody's with... pretty Tim Burton esque, but her in particular. Um, and so, yeah, you, you go, you have to solve a series of puzzles to rescue each of your friends. And at the end, there's a boss fight and then it's done. It's like a two hour tops sort of just nice little snack sized experience. Is the, Um, is the boss fight like, are you actually trying to do combat or is that a, a puzzle kind of situation? It's like a, it's like, I mean, Psychonauts in the original, the boss fights were in and of themselves very puzzle-like. You know, you had to figure out the 
the weakness and exploit it. So um, in this case, a character is throwing things at you. You have to look at those things with your VR headset and figure out which button to press in which order. And it just becomes, it's kind of like a, a rail shooter almost. I guess is the closest I could use to describe it. Hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. But well, no. I mean, yeah. we're talking it, about the it, controls. Is the thing right, because right. VR does not lend itself overly well to certain kinds of gameplay. So that's what I'm really trying to get into. Is is when you say a boss fight, is that something that works well in the VR it's, setting? It's like a it's like a light gun game, you know. Like if, if when you play like House of the Dead, you know, you are standing in one spot while things get thrown at you and things come at you, and that's what you're doing at at the end of Rhombus of Ruin. Is you are mm-hmm. stationary, the big boss okay, is throwing okay. things at you. You have hmm. to use the controller buttons as you look at them, and certain items <clears throat> require one button and other items require a different button to press. So it's not terribly hard, but it is engaging. Does this, does this, this doesn't sound particularly like, like it needs to be a VR game. Could this be played like just like on a TV? Oh yeah. Yeah. Easily. Um, very easily. Uh, I would say that the VR definitely adds a sense of awe and mystery to it all. Um, it's when you get to what the Rhombus of Ruin is, which is basically their version of the Bermuda Triangle. Mm. Uh, you're underwater. Oh, that's and funny. There's all, <laughs> and there's all these, uh, there's all these like crashed ships and planes and stuff. And so it adds a sense of like, oh, that's really cool. Like, um, you know, this game does VR really well in terms of depth of field and like just feeling like you are in that space. But yes, you could play this uh, just as a, you know, point and click adventure with a controller. Hmm. Hmm. This sounds, I, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that when Psychonauts two comes out next year, which is the plan, apparently, it's, it's gonna be out in 2018 on yeah. PS4 and everything. I hope this is packed in as, as just a, a little extra thing because I, I would love to try it, but I'm just not gonna have a headset to try it out anytime in the near future at all. Just bar, just, just steal one for two hours. Just still That's all it takes. It sounds this is not like I am not disparaging the device in in any way, shape, or form, but it sounds like the best stuff on PSVR right now could be played through in pretty much like a long Saturday. Like you could play Rhombus of Ruin and Batman and Until Dawn and Res in like yeah, but then eight hours. Resident Evil. Oh, there, yeah, there is Resident Evil. So a weekend. We all got sick on that one. Uh, well, we all did. That is true. They seem to have fixed that from what I've heard, but <clears throat> still, yeah. I yeah. Will, I will say that um, Rhombus of Ruin kind of feels like that first step towards something better. Like, you know, we've had our our launch title games that are like, oh, that's kind of cool, but, you know, it's like just okay. Um, and it feels like Rhombus of Ruin is starting to really streamline and it doesn't feel clunky or confused about what it's trying to do and it's well designed and well put together um i will say that if you are a vr person looking for an enjoyable vr experience that doesn't require external source knowledge this probably isn't the game for you because it does nothing to be (laughs) like 
by the way, if you never played this game that was a cult hit seven years ago and didn't twelve sell super years. well, uh, it's... well, welcome to this. It's cool. Yeah, I, man, I, like I think people forget how how long ago Psychonauts was at this point. And I was gonna ask, like, like do they skip a beat? Does ever is it? It, does it just feel like more Psychonauts? It's always weird when something comes back after this long a time. Sometimes it, it feels totally natural when something returns and there's there's just more of it. You know, I, I loved the movie version of Wet Hot American Summer, which mm. is another weird summer camp thing. But, like, that felt of a piece with something, even though all the principal cast were, you know, now, like, pushing 50 uh as opposed to in their you know uh early 30s and late 20s but it just yeah, it, it worked uh i don't know it's it's hard to say just because the feel is so different as a vr game versus the in mm. terms of gameplay i would say it definitely feels different um but yeah it basically picks up and it's like hey raz that we have no we have no reason to introduce you to all of us because we clearly know each other quite well we just spent <laughs> However many hours searching for, you know, saving the world in the last game. Don't you huh. remember? Also, Mila, Mila uh, <clears throat> yeah. is freaking <clears throat> creepy as hell in VR. The visual designs, again, for people who haven't played Psychonauts, like I said, they're very, they're Tim Burton-esque. Mila is this Hispanic woman who's, like, very tall. All of her features are very, like, lanky and thin and long. And except for her face, which is super square. And it's fucking weird and creepy and gross. And every time that she bends down to look at you in this fucking VR game, I feel like she's a praying mantis and she's going to eat my face. Because her arms are also, like, they go all the way down to her fucking calves. And so she has to, like, kind of crouch over. And you can't see what I'm doing. See, that's... I'm do but I'm doing it. But she's, like, crouched over. And her face is just kind of un unnervingly staring at you. See, that's the, that's the problem. Because within the realm of Psychonauts, which is an extremely visually stylized game, she makes perfect sense. But right. when you're looking at it through first person, you're picturing your body and your body does not fit into the artistic vision of psychonauts <laughs> at all yeah, that sounds discombobulating are all of the guy are all of like the psychonauts there is the deranged general who's also a member of the team who looks like a, a tiny little egg man in a yeah. tan military outfit there because the, i would imagine the, he's creepy too the five big the five big ones are there um raz lily Mila, Sasha, and uh, Coach Oleander is his name. The one that you're talking about. Coach and, Oleander, yeah. I mean, like, it's it's really only Mila that set me off. Like, all the rest, yeah, look strange and very stylized, but it's just the fact that she's so freakishly elongated and tall and the way that she moves. Ugh. Creepy. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if Linda the Lungfish will be back in Psychonauts 2. <laughs> Speaking of one. characters that would look really upsetting in VR. What is your <laughs> name, gentle creature? Linda. <laughs> <laughs> I love that game. Uh, Susan, you've also been playing a, a camp-themed game. I have. Uh, uh, Slayaway Camp. 
Yes. Which I know nothing about, and I love that name. Yeah, it's... Okay, so uh, it is from uh, one of the founders of PopCap. So to give you an idea as to the gaming design pedigree, and it's actually a puzzle game where what you're doing is, you know how you'll have to uh, slide something around a board and it, you, you might you need to get it into a specific spot so you'll have to you know slide it, it it doesn't stop moving until it hits either a wall or some kind of barrier or something like that so you're basically moving it in the cardinal directions and trying to figure out how to get it to where you need it to be well this time it's a killer in a hockey mask <laughs> and you're getting him to his victims and it's all they're they're shaped like little little cubes, and they're so their deaths are just freaking adorable, <laughs> even though they're also really really incredibly gruesome, uh, like putting one in a blender, and then he you know gets all chopped up into nice. Does one does one go in a sleeping bag, and get hit against a tree? Not yet that I've seen. <laughs> um, I have set several on fire. I've uh, obviously. Um, hit some folks in the head with an axe. Duh. <laughs> it's just... Hey, oh, first of all, it's a uh, very good puzzle game because uh, there are rules. Like, if, you know, you might have more than one victim on a board, and obviously, if they see you, they're going to run away, and then they'll move on the board, and so that is a problem. So there will be... There's uh, issues about the way you can approach each victim. And then also, I accidentally set myself on fire by going through a campfire, which oh. that, that's on me. Uh, you know, that was <laughs> that was an oversight on my part. Um, I, I mean, if it, you're a hockey mask villain, fire doesn't usually see that. And that's where I came from on that. I'm like... <laughs> so I, mean, I, see where, I see where you were coming from. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's... it's, it's a, it's very. If you are a, at all a fan, let me let me rephrase that. If you enjoy the comedy of the Friday the Thirteenth series, because the first one is genuinely creepy, yeah, but it, it just got absurd really really fast. So if you appreciate the ridiculousness of over the top kills and the the really cute aesthetic, plus also a really good puzzle game. Highly, highly recommend it. It's on iOS and Android, uh, as well as Steam. I mean, if you if you just want to play it on your computer, but it's a really, really great phone or tablet game. Uh, that's my recommendation for you. And you yeah, enjoy, that- yeah. Watching the, the, their little screams, it's just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> like, they get so scared, and their little faces—they're like, ah, it's wonderful. This just reminded me. You know, Susan, it's it's been over a year since you and I had Kane Hodder. That's true. And the Friday the Friday the thirteenth crew yes. uh on our streaming show. And I, where the hell is that game? I thought that was supposed to be out last fall. Friday uh, the thirteenth. It's it got... in It's in beta, no? It's in beta now? You can go play I it? I believe so, but I I could be wrong. The full release I know got uh, it got delayed because I was I was watching that one as well um, pretty pretty anxiously yeah I like that game I, or what I've seen of that game I haven't played it but I I know that they decided that at one point they were gonna like make a full on campaign uh, rather than just having it be 
multiplayer only. I don't think that they're like, you know what? The competition suggests we should make our kills adorable. <laughs> we, we should make... I cannot I cannot stress enough how cute this game is as you kill horny teenagers. I mean, it's really just wonderful. <laughs> how much is it again? How what does it cost? It was just on sale. Let me let me let me look this up. Cuz it's cheap. It's like a couple of bucks. Yes. Yeah, a couple of bucks. Man, it's it's so weird the way mobile games like the price like if you see a video game that's a big triple a release and it's like forty dollars which is many dollars that, you're like oh it, it must be smaller like it's it's not gonna be like on the scale of a witcher but then if you, if you see an ios game that's two dollars you're like this better be the best goddamn i know it's right endless <laughs> game crazy it's uh it's 2.99 it's two ninety. See, it's, in my it's head, eight ninety nine on Steam. Eight ninety nine. Outrageous. Because they know they can get more money on PC and it, it's true. Better be. It's true. Better be the it's best. Uh, really quick aside, this is an interesting statistic that I heard just a couple of days ago. Speaking of PC games, so For Honor, as we've discovered at Games Radar, For Honor is a game that people are really excited about mm-hmm. and are playing en masse. 47% of people playing it on PC did not get it through Steam. It is Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Wow. I you know, I'm yeah. I'm so used to Steam ubiquity that it's surprising to me that it's it's sort of stranglehold uh, on the PC world is loosening. Well, what uh did Dave, they you get it on oh, then. You play I, probably, uh, probably you play, the Uplay store. Uh, Uplay okay. and uh like the places where you can just go buy a code. Like there are there are now a preponderance of like shadier operations out what do they there. Call it the gray market. Yeah, the gray so market. That, like it's mm, it's yeah. legal. It's mm, legal, but it's mm. questionable where those digital codes are coming. They from. fell off the back of a digital truck. Let's say. They exactly. fell off the back of a digital truck. <laughs> they they fell off the back of truck simulator. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, in some cases. <laughs> uh. Dave, you you are playing a game that is out next week. No, it's out now. Uh, oh, it's out! It's out this week. I yeah, thought it, it was February twenty eighth. Oh, it's the twenty first. All right, uh, a, and lovely, lovely looking indie game that does not take place at a summer camp, no. but it does take place in uh, in the in the place where summer camps are. Yes. Uh, you are playing <laughs> night. Wow, night in the woods. That's right. You saw it finally. The thematic wow. links are revealed. Uh, you're playing Night in the Woods, uh, yeah. which is out on Steam and PlayStation 4 and mm-hmm. Xbox One? No, just PS4 and PC. Just PS4. Just yeah. PS4. Uh, and you like this game a lot. Yes, it is, uh, it is hitting very, uh, a lot of it, all of it is hitting close to home in a lot of different ways. So the basic idea is that you are, you're this 20-year-old girl named May. She's a cat. All of the people are anthropomorphized, you know, animals. And uh, you have failed. You you are dropping out of college. And you are coming back home to the sleepy town of Possum Springs. It's like uh, this factory town in the Rust Belt. They're like, you know, everyone knows each other. There are a couple of stores. Most of the stores are shutting down. The, uh, the local... Um, the local grocery store has been shut down, and a uh, the big box ham panther store ha- has replaced it. 
Um, and I'm yeah, sorry, so the, you the the big box what? Ham Panther. It's okay. like they're like this world's version of Walmart. Got it. Okay. <laughs> called Ham Panther. Uh, yeah, and your your best bud works at a at a convenience store called the Snack Falcon. Um, it's a it's it's an adorable game. Anyway, so yeah, so you you come home from college and and you're your parents have like they, they they totally forgot to pick you up from the from the bus station. They just totally spaced it out. And yeah, so you walk home and your parents are like, "Oh crap, we forgot to pick you up." And you're like, "No, nah, it's cool. I almost killed myself jumping on a tree trying to get past this ravine." But, you know, whatever. And yeah, so you just you kind of spend your days hanging out in the sleepy town and getting to know its people and and uh, hanging out with your friends again and there are like lots of different mini games and stuff but it's very like it's funny and sweet but it's also like one of the most like emotionally honest games i've played in a long time i got i got to tell you man you are not selling this to me at all oh, no? like yay <laughs> you've you've failed out of college and your parents <laughs> suck and you talk to your friends awesome but okay so it's like the way that i i was explaining it to lucas it's like persona in the american rust belt without the rpg Hmm. So, so basically you go about your day to day, you hang out, the writing is really funny and witty and, and, and very heartfelt. Um, but there's also like, there's an underlying mystery, like your first day back. You oh, find an okay. Arm. See that? You left that yeah. part out. <laughs> you, you find an arm just lying on the ground and like it cuts away to this mini game where you just poke at it with a stick. Until, <laughs> until you find like this little this oh there's like a tattoo on this arm like what is this and then um and then your aunt uh, who is a cop you call her aunt mall cop uh she comes by and shoes you away like go away you're, you're dumb kids just stop it and and yeah so like for the first half of the game you're just kind of hanging out you, you start to have these really weird dreams every night like like ghosts and weird spirits and stuff but you you can't put it together and like you you start to like like you you find it very difficult to talk about why you left college because you can't articulate it like your character has a very hard time like explaining her feelings to people and part of it is because like she's having these weird dreams and uh, once you hit the second half of this game it goes like full bananas uh, almost like horror movie in a way, and I don't want to like spoil what happens, but it, it 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 goes it goes places, and it's just hmm. yeah I don't know like it's the you know we we've talked about the sort of the political climate right now and how tumultuous things feel, and it's just on top of being like a really interesting mystery, it's also a really great just slice of. American life that isn't represented very well. Not even in like I, I don't I don't even mean in video games. I just mean kind of in general, sure. um, of like b- growing up in a small town, having a chance to get out, fucking that up, and then coming back and like trying to get back into the groove of this life that is just disappearing because the progress and modernity is leaving it behind like the factory doesn't exist anymore your dad was a factory worker now he works at the at the ham panther in the deli and Mm. and the thing is like all of this sounds really dour and Uh, a lot of it is like yeah this game gets very it's very real but it's also like the way that it's written it's just it's really funny 
and like <laughs> it finds humor in a lot of these situations that like yeah. because it's like you you kind of have to laugh at it because it's all it's just you know you're just well, a bunch really, of kids trying to figure out what the hell what the hell life is about like how can you not reminds, laugh at that this kind of makes me think of like the video game adaptation of BoJack yeah, it doesn't sound quite. That yeah, no, it's depressing. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's not that like like it is definitely existential, but it's not like like that bleak. Like the, yeah, there's okay. a part where like like so your best friend is a dude named Greg, and uh, he's he's a wolf guy, and he just he he works the Snack Falcon, and he's like fucking whatever. I can just close up shop whenever I want. Let's go hang out and do crimes. So you go out back, and he just picks up a bunch of like those uh, fluorescent lights and just starts chucking them at you, and you hit him with a baseball bat, and that's a fun little mini game you guys play together. And uh, then he. <laughs> He has you beat up uh, a car with the tree growing out of it to get the battery out of it uh, while shouting smash capitalism at you. And then you take the battery and rebuild an old robot that was left behind at the grocery store. Like one of those like kids toys that you like you put a quarter in. Oh, like a wind up it. toy? Yeah. yeah. Or not like, like like those mechanical toys you'd see outside of grocery stores where you like you put a quarter oh, in. Oh, like, like you... yeah. Like the thing that a little kid would go. Yeah. And, and okay. like he has all the parts, but like... He doesn't have the battery, so you get the battery, you and then you take the, all the different parts and you put this like monstrosity of a like a robot bear together, and then it 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 activates and you're like, yay, we're all having fun and it's great. And but then like later you find out that while you've moved back to this town, he's he spent the last two years with him and his boyfriend trying to save up all the money that they can so they can move to the city and make a better life for themselves. And you're like, oh, huh? Well, that's kind of sad. Man, it's interesting. I don't, but why is, I don't understand why that's sad. He's saving up money so he can get out. Why is that? Because you came back because you wanted to be friends with him and you wanted to spend more time with him. You you came back because you failed out of school and had nowhere else Mm -hmm. to go. Yeah. Like the the main character, the main character, she's 20. She's confused. She like her, her best friend kind of hates her because she's been wanting to get out all of this time and you were able to do it, and you fucked it up. Like, you lived her dream. Right. And and, and she resents you for it. And, like, like all a lot of the characters kind of, like, they don't know how to deal with you because you, like, they've all moved on, and you're just, like, stuck in the state of arrest development all while this weird shit is going on around you. It is, it is just, it is a... It is. It's fascinating. It's just. You, it's it's you, one of the one of like the most honest games I think I played in. I don't know. It's probably it's probably going to be up there on my top ten list for the year. I'll you comparing it, Dave, to Persona Four, I think is or Persona in general, is really interesting because everything that you're describing reminds me of Persona Four in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's really like Persona Four. You know, when you're playing Persona 4, it's very joyful. Like, I think that's why everybody, you know, right here, right now, like, when we play that game, we like it because we love those people. Is that fair to say? Yes. Like, when we play Persona? Uh, But, you know, if you describe what's happening in Persona 4, it's a goddamn bummer. Like, your your parents can't take care of you, so you're sent to go live with a relative who you barely know, who's a cop in a small rural town that is kind of disintegrating because the only life there is their equivalent 
of Walmart, Junez. Right. And slowly but surely, high school students and townspeople are being murdered and or committing suicide because of, like, a ghostly television channel. <laughs> yeah. And it's very much about capturing this moment in Japanese rural life in the mid-aughts. Like, it's, it's you know, showing uh, a, a sort of town... A, a type of town that was in a very serious point of transition. And it's like, you know, when you talk about the things that you could do in that game, they don't sound fun there either. Like, go with your friend and eat a beef bowl when it's raining out <laughs> so that you can know things better. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, find out about all of your friends' deep insecurities and their own, like, fears about entering the future. And it's like, you, you say that out loud, and it's like, God, that sounds like a bummer. Right. But like when you're actually in it and you're 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 interacting with these characters and you're getting to know them, it's like like the, like like I keep coming back to honest because like it's just there's an honesty to all of these characters and your interactions with them and like mm. the you know life is a series of ups and downs and you know yeah you'll do you'll you'll have fun you'll play a little mini game where you play bass in your your crappy little band. But then, you know, like, bad shit happens, too. It's yeah. it's something else. Like, if, if that sounds... It, it's very, like... It's a side-scrolling, platformery, telltale-ish kind of game. Just, you, you wander around, you talk to people. The more that you put into it, the more, like, you poke around, the more you'll get out of it. Because there's stuff hidden everywhere. And every day, someone has something new to say to you, even though you've talked to them a dozen times. Um... My next door neighbor writes really cool little short poems, and you can go up to go go up to her, and and she'll have a new poem for you every day, and it's just like little touches like that, really cool character moments. Man, I was I, I remember having an eye on this game, uh, like a year or earlier. Sam, didn't and... you play this at E three twenty fourteen? I've never played it. Oh, I you didn't just thought, play it. I just thought it looked really interesting, and I started following the writer on Twitter. And mm. I, while you were talking about it, I just added it to my Steam wish list. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah pick that up at some point <laughs> in the future. Yeah, it's cool. I'm I'm glad. It's so funny. I remember sitting in the press room at E3 in 2014, and now I, I remember it's a friend of the show, Mike Suzik. Yeah, it was Mike. Uh, who we were it was about. Mike Suzik was telling me and Susan about this game, and both of us were looking at him like, "This sounds not fun." He was like, "Yeah, you play a suicidal cat girl," and we're like, yeah. "No, <laughs> no, yeah, you you play as a suicidal cat girl as her life falls around uh, falls apart around her, and her friends think she's kind of crappy." Nah, dog. <laughs> nah. But he was and that, he was insistent that this yeah, game was it uh, really remarkable. So it's yeah. special. And it man, it's amazing that it got done. Like three years for an indie game of this size is a long time. It's a long game too. It's like it's a good eight or nine hours. Oh um, wow! Okay. And there's like and there like so because the the other thing too is that you can choose which of your friends to hang out with on certain days, and if you spend more time with one character over another, you'll see more of their story arc. 
Oh, so wow. like like uh, I was hearing people uh, online who are like, yeah, I just hang out. I, I hung out with B the the whole time because uh, like Greg is cool and all, but I didn't want to be a third wheel in him and his boyfriend's relationship. So I just hung out with B, and like I didn't see any of his stuff. So yeah, like there, there's some malleability in like how you interact with the story and what you choose to do. Man, I'm cool. uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm gonna it's play special. this game. It's special. It is like it is very much of this time hmm. right now so that's three games that you can play this very second uh as you're listening to this on monday night now we are going to talk about games that you will not be able to play until the end of the week but that beg a certain question uh and i think i speak for everyone when i say what, what the hell are you doing nintendo <laughs> <laughs> nintendo, nintendo i want to just stop really quickly Nintendo, I just wanted to say, hell yeah, Nintendo. <laughs> hell yeah. Come on, come on, Nintendo. Give my lap. There you go. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Nintendo. I thought you were going to be cool. <laughs> no, oh, like, I, okay. Inside so, jokes on podcasts. All right, so, I, yeah, I, so, <laughs> I'm not, I'm really not sure where to start. Because the Nintendo Switch is out in a week, however, the press has sort of received it. Sort uh, of, kind of. Uh, yeah, Nintendo Nintendo has distributed Switches uh, in the same way that a deranged seer living in a cave in a desert delivers wisdom and prophecy. Uh, some people have received Switches in the press, but no games. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... And, you know, the the press experience of the Switch so far is actually reflective of the public experience of the Switch, which is, this thing is coming in hot, everybody. It is, it, it, we are still getting uh, announcements of launch games six days before the game, <laughs> this system is shipping. Uh, it's very unusual, and uh, our own Sam Perel here has described the Switch launch as an early access hardware release you know uh, this is this is a system coming out missing many features there is no virtual console uh apparently there are even widespread issues of the joy-con controllers syncing with the machine when you're using them syncing desyncing yeah yeah like they will just the left one it's only the left one and if reports are to be believed it's a hardware issue, not a software issue, which means yeah. the patch won't fix it. It means patch won't fix it, which means this thing is not ready for prime time uh, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination, which is, I mean, for Nintendo, that's very unusual. Even even consoles that had very weak launch lineups uh, and didn't run well, you know, the 3DS shipped piss poor lineup you know nobody nobody was sitting there being like steel diver is what i've been waiting for uh it didn't go great the hardware wasn't perfect but it worked it was reliable the wii u launched with uh a middling there are people that uh love a lot of those uh wii u launch games like zombie u and new super mario brothers u uh but like the software's you know it was okay and the operating system for that system 
uh, for the Wii U. It ran like, uh, you know, uh, Gateway 2000 from 1996 that you left out in the rain. But it worked. Uh, and, you know, it sounds like the Switch's operating system is better, but the hardware itself is not... Uh, not always reliable. We've so even, I've, uh, I've heard ga- I've heard three different mechanical problems. Now it yeah. is important to point out that not everybody is experiencing all of these problems. Mm-hmm. So take that with whatever amount of salt you feel is appropriate. Uh, first one is the left uh, Joy-Con not syncing to the unit. Second one is the Joy-Cons breaking. Just straight up, like when you're trying to slide Breaking. the little. I haven't. Little... I have not heard this one. Yeah. I didn't know. Well, apparently wow. the when you take them out and you put the you know the little the little snappy thing that goes on top, you got to be really careful with that, or you're just going to break it. And wow. the third one, and this was experienced in uh, the unit we got, um, the screen was effed up. Yeah, we we're getting some real bla- real bloom problems, mm-hmm. which means a, a whole little. It literally looks like somebody took like an eraser on a pencil and dragged it across the screen, and that spot is discolored permanently. Yeah, and it, yeah, uh, permanently, yeah. and that's the problem. It's a it's a permanent thing. So, yeah. yeah. So troubling, <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 you know, in a, in addition to. Uh, it, Nintendo is every single day being like, oh yeah, and the, this eShop game is going to come out on launch day too. I guess. Maybe. Uh, you can't even access the eShop until you do a massive software update for the thing. It's uh, it's a little all over the place. Now wait, clarify for me. Can you access the, Wii sh- the, the eShop the day you get this thing or not? Yes. If you, on day if, one, if, yeah. they will patch it. You will get a new firmware release, and we assume you will be able to use the eShop. No, they, they've uh, said that eShop will be available day one. They've I said that. They, they've, they've said, said that, that, but it's right. But it's they've also, patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's via it, patch. You have to patch your system in right. order to access it. Right. right. And and they but but they also said that the Joy Cons would just work. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, Nintendo's assurance is, this is why we say, what the hell, Nintendo, because... What the hell, Nintendo? What the, <laughs> Get my lap, Nintendo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, they, yeah. So, to, so, so to the controller point, uh, someone actually, uh, I think it was Game Explained, posted a video where they actually replicated the Joy-Con issue, and it's both of them. But what it oh. is, what it is, it's, uh, I guess, that the Joy-Cons use Bluetooth. And Bluetooth is kind of a weak signal, um, mm-hmm. and what it is is, like, if you cover the entire controller, or at least, like, most of the, the part where the signal's coming out of it, um, you can you can replicate, like, it, it starts, like, wigging out. Like, it starts, um... Oh, gee, I, why not, would you ever want that feature? That seems like something you yeah. want in a, in a small... Yeah. piece of technology like that's going was... to be concealed by your hand at all times. Yeah, because he's like, look at this. I hold. He's like, I hold the controller behind my back and rotate. Because the, the he was showing it with the screen where you can like test all the buttons out, and he was holding the the controller behind his back while rotating the analog stick. And as he was doing it, like holding it behind his back and covering up the other side with the couch, like the it would just stop reading the input. Uh, uh, very rapidly, like it would, like oh you'd see the little dot on the circle, and it would just hang, 
hang, hang, hang. It's, yeah. So, so it seems like that's the problem. Some people are saying that maybe they could use like a firmware update to um, tell the the controllers to use more power to boost the signal of the the Bluetooth. But like, we don't know because Nintendo's not saying. Wow. Because yeah. Oh man, this sounds. This sounds to me. I you know maybe not a tire fire. But at no, least, it's, like, it's an oil drum fire. <laughs> like, it's, okay, it's maybe, it's maybe like a shoe fire. Like a shoe fire? Well, here's Something the thing. is on fire. Something is on fire. It, it seems uh, pretty clear that something somewhere got rushed. And I'm not entirely sure why, um, but okay. I, all I'm saying, I would hesitate to encourage someone to pick this up on launch day at this point yeah. because of these mechanical issues. You might want to get, like, the second round of units that are produced. Yeah, I, this, is, this is... so that's, I'm, sure it'll this be, is, I'm sure it'll be fine eventually. <laughs> eventually. This is this is the conversation that, that we're at right now because I, I think we're all... We're all looking at the Switch... And hearing all of these, you know, uh, reports of mechanical issues and experiencing themselves as a team. Uh, so, Dave, you're very excited about yeah. Switch. You, you've you been saying Still. to me every single day, <laughs> so excited about this thing. Sam, you are a, a technology early adopter. You tend to get things as soon as they're available because you want to be there at the bleeding edge. You got an HTC Vive as soon as you could. I was going to say, this can, be, this can be summed up by the fact that I own a plasma <laughs> right. 3D TV right. Oh my God. HTC Vive. Right, yeah. And, and so that's where you're coming from, but even you have said, this is early access hardware. And Susan, you, you were like, I need to have this thing to do my job. I need to be able to be part of the dialogue and but then just this week you were like no screw it i'm canceling my pre-order because because this thing isn't ready so uh, you know let's let's talk about this let's talk about what you should do if you're thinking about getting a console at launch whether it's switch or not what do you need in a piece of hardware to decide this is worth having right now at the start Susan, for you, what is it? What What is your criteria, and why does the Switch not meet it? Okay, uh, for me, it can it, all of it can be summed up by saying, I want to have a positive gaming experience when I pick up a new console, which means I want the console to work, and I want there to be, by my standards, enough to play on it. Now, if, I was, I, if I'm shelling out 400 or 400 plus dollars mm. at launch... Because, yes, despite what some people think, we still have to buy our own stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I want that positive experience. And at this moment, I do not believe I would be getting a positive gaming experience. Like, Zelda is amazing. Zelda is awesome. But Zelda will still be amazing and awesome if I pick it up down the line after these technical problems have been worked out. And after mm-hmm. I can pick up a Switch with confidence and know that I can access the store and the mechanical issues have been dealt with and I'm not going to get a crappy screen. You know, all, all that garbage has been dealt with. That's the thing. The game I was getting it for will still be great if I don't get it until Christmas when I can also pick up Mario and Splatoon 2 at the same time. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you have do you have like a set number in your head of like these are the this is the number of games that a console needs to offer me before no, no, no. I, mean, I, I get this to, thing? Like, I mean, when I got a Vita, I was I was uh, said to myself, if the only thing I ever own this for is Persona Four Golden, that's okay. Now it turned out that there were a whole bunch of other things that I ended up really, really enjoying on it. It's it's uh, really, it has a beloved place in my uh, pantheon of game systems. But for me, that was it. Like all it needed to do was that, and I was good. Yeah. So it, yeah. there's no there's no number. It just has to be enough for me. Mm. Man, it's so it's so surprising in this situation to be in a place where you know people have accused Nintendo of of like releasing this thing with a crappy game launch lineup. But, like, the, the reality is, is this is... This is de rigueur for Nintendo hardware releases. Going going all the way back, like, the NES is the only one that released in the United States with, like, a flawless launch lineup. Well, maybe the Game Boy. Like, Tetris is an yeah. unassailable also, launch can, can, title. Can I just say, like... Dude, the PS4 launched with Killzone, Shadowfall, and Knack. Like, let's not... <laughs> Dave Roberts' favorite games of all time, all time launched two with of, Sony's yeah, PlayStation 4. It, launch lineups <laughs> suck. Just yeah. most of the time. Nintendo, honestly, has probably has the best track record while they may have the fewest amount of games. Like, yeah. like Nintendo 64 had Super Mario 64 on launch day. You know? And that's it. And that's and all you needed. Pilot Wings. That that's, was that's all you needed for, like... Six months. Because, well, yeah. that's all you're getting for six months. But, like, you, you know, like, Switch is launching with Zelda. That To say that that's weak com when you compare it to, like, the PS4 or Xbox One or, uh, you know, other systems, I feel like, I don't know. It's a weird argument to make. Yeah. Launch lineups and, always and, suck. But li like Susan's saying, you know, you've got you've got to be the type of person who says that that's enough. Right. And, uh, you know, we're in a situation where that person might also be the kind of person, one of the one of the 13 million proud that own a Nintendo Wii U. Oh, for sure. Uh, and, you know, that 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 game is also going to come out for Wii U. And it might, you know, I nobody has played the full version of of Breath of the Wild on Wii U. The the Switch version is out there. People are playing it. But okay, but no I have to think it's not going to be as good. Well, you know, it's tough to say. Because, like, in my head, uh, what I expect is I, I've played a demo of Breath of the Wild on Wii U, and I actually really like using the gamepad to play games. I played Bayonetta using the gamepad, not the Pro Controller, because I thought it was more comfortable. And that's like a super high, uh, you know, high intensity action game where you're pressing all kinds of things. That said, playing Breath of the Wild, I found the Wii U pad to be very uncomfortable for mm. for what is a very complicated control scheme for a Zelda game. Uh, but uh, you know, the time was last time this happened was with Wii and Twilight Princess. And everybody was like, oh, Twilight Princess for Wii is going to have motion controls. It's going to be better. And it turns out it wasn't. <laughs> the GameCube version of that game was the one to play. Um, it, it made things like the incessant need to herd goats a little bit more tolerable. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's tough. Game selection is a toughie for the Switch at launch. 
Uh, I think there are a lot there of is, people. Go ahead, Sam. There, there is a way to solve that. You know, you can wait. For you can the wait. Views, <laughs> right? You can just wait. Like even if you don't have the system on day one, I guarantee there will be more. And you will be able to find them. Even the NES Classic, which nobody could find because it was completely sold out. That craze has died down. You can now find NES Classics in no. certain stores. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can find them in local stores. You probably can't find it online. No, no Sam. If you... It, they're, like, I've actually checked the, like, like trackers that'll be like, does GameStop, Walmart, Target, etc. Oh, have sure. it okay. in your area? You cannot get an NES Classic for less than $120. It's a $60 product that is going for a 100% markup in general. Uh, and, and that's the I thing. Apologize. Like, like, <laughs> I apologize. I'm wrong. There's, there's the rub with the Switch. is because the reality is, is if, you, if you're on the fence about waiting or getting one at launch, the, 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 the choice is kind of moot. Because almost all of the launch units are sold out, according to, you know, retailers and Nintendo. This thing, right now, it doesn't look like, if you if you haven't been able to get a pre-order yet for launch, your your chances of walking to a store and getting one on launch day are, are not great. Oh, sort no, 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 no. Up, if like... you... No, go yeah, ahead. don't do that. Don't do that. Like, if, okay, <laughs> look, if you haven't already pre-ordered one, you're not getting one on launch day. But... Right. And here's the thing, you'll survive that, honest. <laughs> you'll you'll live, you'll live. We promise. Okay, you can. You, I mean, look, I get it. I, I I I really do understand. However, um, without exception, there has not been a single console released that did not benefit from time. Yeah, you absolutely. Get, more games for it. They figure mm-hmm. out hardware issues. They figure out software issues. Now, I'm not. I'm not even saying like wait a year or two because I. I get it. You want to be playing the new hotness. I totally understand that. Especially if you skipped Wii U, and I understand skipping Wii U too. But I, you'll. It'll be okay. Really. Yeah. It, it will. <laughs> like wait to see what happens at E3. Maybe you know. Maybe that'll give you a really a good sense of when you should be picking this up. Or even just just the month and a half, because like Nintendo is so divorced from the E three like world at this point that usually they have a direct they have a Nintendo direct of some kind before E three, then one during E three, and then one usually a month after E three. So you're you're gonna have a constant stream of information about this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there are rumors. From the sources that, you know, leaked many of the uh, details about the Switch that turned out to be accurate, there are, uh, you know, rumors and reports that we're going to see uh, all kinds of things coming to Switch uh, that haven't been announced this year, including uh, a third rendition of Pokemon Sun and Moon, that a a beefier version called Pokemon Stars is going to be coming later this year. And so, like, you know, maybe you're a big Pokemon person, and maybe you're... This game does or doesn't exist, but if you get it at launch day or you're scrambling to wake up and go to a freaking Target every morning to see if they got more Switches throughout March, like, you're not going to know if that Pokemon thing exists, so just just give it a couple of months. Or if you're Dave Roberts, 
you've got your your pre-order in you've got all your games pre-ordered you're freaking out you're so excited dave why are why are you still on the bus it okay. sounds like you're skeptical, but it's but why so, are you still on the bus? I'm I'm skeptical of the sort of the the launch just because the the launch like so last year Nintendo had like three games for the Wii U right like there was Tokyo Mirage Sessions and then a bunch of other like not good games Star Fox Zero your favorite no it was so good I did, it's I love the way that they integrated the game no it's bad it's a bad game uh so <laughs> we all thought. At least I thought that, like, Nintendo was using its sort of Wii U focus and energy and just shoving all of that on Switch, right? And, like, we all thought that, that Nintendo's launch was going to be like, oh, yeah, you're, you're going to get Zelda, you're going to get Mario, you're, you're at least going to get a bunch of stuff. And it turns out that, like, Nintendo's launch day output is Zelda and 1-2 Switch. Granted, like, they know they can sell a system on Zelda alone. I don't begrudge them for that. But I think, like, a lot of people expected there to be more stuff. And... Less I also milking. expected this launch to be less on fire than it feels. <laughs> like, how, yeah, how, that that is a surprise. I have to that say, is super how many surprising. how many launches have you guys been through? Like, it's it's been this ain't your first rodeo, I, I know, but like, how how many have have you guys like overseen uh, professionally? Professionally or just oh, professionally? Yeah. Uh, oh God, three? I guess three. Yeah. So, oh wait. Or, or do you mean like generations or actual different units? Just like, well, generations. I don't know. I a lot. Several. Yeah, a lot. So yeah. <laughs> so the like, how many times has a launch lineup shifted and changed, like, a week before a system <laughs> comes out? Never. It, this is what is happening right now, where you know, in the middle of the night last night, Dave sent me a text message being like. Hey, that weird Blaster Master remake that Intercreates is doing that previously was just a 3DS exclusive and wasn't like they were like, yeah, it'll be out later in 2017. Last night, Nintendo at like, midnight was like, well, it was oh, Nintendo, yeah, yeah, it was Nintendo Japan. But yeah. Launch day, launch game for Switch. <laughs> yeah, it'll be there. Like, what? <laughs> Like, no yeah. mention of this ever coming to Switch before. It was only going to be a 3DS game. And they're like, nope, it comes out on Switch, and it's coming out on launch day. What? Snipperclips, for months, has been, uh, yes, this game is coming out in March. And a week before it comes out, they are announcing that it is coming out on launch day. And apparently in the UK, I don't know if there's one for the, for the US, but in the UK, there's a controller bundle that they just announced what and yeah like you like it's it's uh two joy cons and a download code for snipper clips what uh, yeah <laughs> a week before launch oh my <laughs> god what like, are you doing oh, yeah breath of the wild uh breath of the wild was supposed to, or not breath of the wild uh binding of Isaac, completely different game uh in more ways than one uh was supposed to be a launch game, but got delayed to an unspecified date in March for um, reasons that are out of Nicalis's hands. Wow, man. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Freaking wow. Yeah. 
Like it's cool. Like hey, you know what? At least we're getting more games. I like. I was really excited for Snipperclips. I'm glad to see that it's coming out on launch. That seems like a really good game that you can break out to show off the uh, the the sort of the ability to share Joy Cons from one console. Just like hey, here's half the thing. Put it on its side. Play it like Nintendo controller. Let's clip and solve puzzles. Um, but like this is something that I think. Why didn't they say that on? Like the reveal event that it was coming on launch day. Because they're clearly shuffling yeah. things around. They're like, hmm, this was our plan. Something went wrong with the plan. We may never know what exactly it was that went awry, but something went wrong. So they're saying, okay, what can we do? What do we have that's lying around that we can push out on launch day? That's exactly what's happening. Okay. Yeah, and oh man, it. Shovel Knight's coming out on launch day. It's out of and nowhere. It, like. Man, the Shovel Knight thing, my heart goes out to Yacht Club games because I hear that Shovel Knight's coming out and I'm like, oh, Shovel Knight, again, yep. for, for the billionth time in three years. I'll but the it. reality is is that <laughs> what is actually coming out on launch day is an entirely new game. Yeah. Like, the the it's not just Shovel Knight again. It's a whole new campaign. Guys... I, I don't know if you've, like... They don't call Mega Man and Mega Man 2 and Mega Man 3 these different things. They don't put the number on there because it's some kind of grand, epic, multi-chapter narrative that everybody... They called it Mega Man 2 to let people know it was different. When you say <laughs> Shovel Knight Treasure Trove Edition for Switch, that doesn't mean shit to anyone. Yeah, I, now, if it you had just called it, like, Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, then it sounds like a sequel. N- no, because that's what it's... They, they call it Shovel Knight Specter Knight. And... Or, like, Knight of the Specter Knight. And that doesn't... Say, just call it Shovel... Just call it Shovel Knight 2. Well, yeah, sh- yeah, Shovel Knight Treasure yeah, Trove is it. the name of the pack of Shovel Knight and the two expansions that came out. And maybe that's why they can't call it Shovel Knight 2, because other, it's not a new one. It's, like, but a they're not, like DLC. But they're not expansions! They're not expansions and they're not DLC. I didn't even know this until recently. They're a full other game. Well, they're they're releasing them separately now, but the last expansion was just it was like, "Hey, we're adding this in a patch to right. this game for free." And, and but you get I, it. And, and now I, they're breaking it out into its own thing. Yeah. Is this the same thing that was Plague Knight, where you like play as a different character but through the same game. Yeah. Okay, well, so no, yeah, there's Plague Knight because it's oh my God. yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> all new levels. There's too many Shovel Knight spin-offs. There's too much Shovel Knight. Yeah, it's too like what? Why? Why is, is it like, like this? This is, this is like DC Comics. How there's the DC Comics universe in the movies, and then there's the comics, yep. and then there's Flash and Arrow, and then there's Powerless, and then there's Gotham, and none of these fucking things are connected to each other. <laughs> Gotham is terrible. Oh, terrible. oh man! I so I, I watched. No, 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 Hulu was like, oh, I'm just going to autoplay into the next thing. And just the latest episode of Gotham started playing. And I came in the room and I was like, did SNL start just randomly playing? Like, is this a Saturday Night Live sketch 
<laughs> and no, no, it was a show that people are supposed to take seriously, and it is mortifying. Uh, Sam, all of this stuff that Dave is saying, this sounds like why you are not very interested in picking this thing up at launch. This sounds like the embodiment of your your decree that this is an early access console. So for you as Mr. Early Adopter Guy, what is it specifically about Switch that is like, no, I'm out. I'm, I'm not chasing this thing. Um, you know, I was thinking about this as Dave and Susan were talking, and it's it seems kind of selfish and... Uh, ephemeral, but I think one of the things that I like about being an early adopter is that sense of uh, being treated special. Hmm. It's, you know, thank you, like it's the earnest well, to some degree earnest appreciation for, thank you for you know, trying our product, believing in this, and being with us on the ground as we get this going, sort of thing. Um, And with like the Xbox One, that was something as simple as just having the little special launch day edition that was like, hey, you were, you bought this thing on day one. Thanks for doing that. And you get this little achievement that's worth nothing. And I have a controller that says day one edition. And silly reason I know, but I like that kind of stuff. I like being recognized as the as the early adopter and kind of getting a little something extra for my trouble. Hmm. Uh, the Switch has nothing in my mind that differentiates it from just any other console launch, uh, especially when the big thing that people want to play on it is Zelda, which you can play Zelda just on a different console. Mm-hmm. It it exists. Because people are like, well, I want a, I want a Zelda machine. I'm like, you can buy that at GameStop for $100 cheaper, and it's called a used Wii U. And they're like, well, I want it to be portable. And, like, I've talked to you guys about this uh, in chat where it's like, I really want to study. I really want to know how many people actually use their portable devices portably and how many people use them just okay. on their couch. The one thing I will say with regard to that, stop thinking it of it as portable. And if you think mm-hmm. of it more as I don't have access to the t- living room TV. Right. And you and may understand them a, a little bit more because people who whose partners are not gamers or who have children don't me. get to just sit there for hours and, and, and play stuff on the yeah. main TV. It's a, it's a, a good... genuine concern. Yeah, and I know my kid watches Muppets. My kid watches Muppets all the time. It's like I want to play PlayStation because I got like to write this thing or I got to do whatever. But he's watching Muppets, and the game I want to play it's Yakuza, and it's violent. And my wife is like, "Don't play the game where you spin a baseball bat around and hit people in the face <laughs> in front of your kid." And it's like, "Oh well," but if I had that on a thing where I could just sit on the couch and play it, I'd be playing it all the time. Like, that's, that's where I'm coming from. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way, too. And it's not, like, the the reality is, is as much as, you know, the Wii U and the PlayStation 4 uh, have something that is akin to the functionality that uh, Switch does, wherein you can, you know, sit there and play Breath of the Wild right there on the Wii U gamepad, or you could play Yakuza uh, 0 using remote play on your Vita. But if you try to go more than, like, 
five feet away yeah. from your console yeah that's that true. shit breaks immediately yeah uh i was gonna i was gonna say sam like yeah for a hundred dollars yes you could go get a used wii u a copy of breath of the wild and your controller will only desync about 10 percent fewer times do you well, guys have I mean, wii, do you guys have wii u do you guys have Wii U desyncing problems ever mm-hmm. with your with your game? I can't take it in my bedroom. It's like yeah. like twenty feet away from from the from the TV, and I can't I can't take it yeah. in the bedroom because it just. De-syncs. We've had the we've had this conversation, and I am I'm the odd one out who who doesn't have desyncing issues. But it's awesome. I I mean, I the benefits that it offers just don't appeal to me. Uh, which I is totally guess, fair. I mean, if if yeah, you don't have the kind fair. of life situation that makes that desirable then you just don't yeah i mean so that's a very good point to to bring up susan about the like needing the tv or not needing the tv like but that that doesn't apply to me so obviously it makes it harder for me to understand that perspective and i also like i have a 3ds i only play it in bed Mm -hmm. and that's i don't take i take it with me i take it with me on like every business trip and I never play it. And no, you don't. I'll just, you never do. I'll just, you I'll use just your phone. Put this on the. I'll, I'll put this on. No, I just sleep. Uh, I put it on the. I get on the plane and I'm like, I'm gonna play Smash Brothers to keep myself entertained, or I'm gonna play Pokemon or whatever. And I never pull it out of my bag. Hmm. And I get to the hotel and I never pull it out of my bag. And I come home and I just curse myself for taking up valuable space with this thing. So oh man, I, I don't fit. I don't fit the. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's really all it is, and there's nothing particularly special or weird about the Switch. It's just that its features don't appeal to me. As somebody who's never been a big Zelda fan, as somebody who's not a portable gamer, as somebody who doesn't need to take it to the other room so that someone else can have the TV, maybe it just doesn't fit my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That might be it, and at three hundred dollars too, you know, like yeah, it's like pricey. Maybe, maybe that'll fit when they drop the price by a hundred dollars, or mm-hmm. have be- have have more more and better games to play. Um, yeah, I, I will. Don't know. I like, will. Go ahead. I will say that I I having gotten my hands on the hardware at Pack South, I also was not with how it felt in hand it's very interesting to hear you say that because like i i never has there been a nintendo hardware release where there seems to be a wider variety of reactions to the machine itself you know like even when the 3ds came out and the 3ds launch system is is I, I would say that's the crappiest of the Nintendo portables. And, like, I'm even considering the backlightless launch GBA and, you know, the, the DS Fat from way back in the day. That launch 3DS, like, the hinges were loose. It would rattle when you, yeah, like, put the thing down on the... It was a terrible machine, but everybody was like, yeah, it's pretty comfortable to hold. Like, you know, but this, like, people either say the Switch is the most comfortable uh, handheld they've had, or the least? It seems really variable. I, I mean, I've got I got big hands, so mm-hmm. I, I felt very scrunched up uh, trying to hold it in handheld mode, and even when the uh, Joy-Cons are slotted into the Joy-Grip, which is just the best name. Um, is that the dog? Yeah, yes. that's the dog. Okay. Like, my fingers are so long that 
like they almost come all the way back around to the front of the grips of mm-hmm. that of that dog controller of the dog ears. And so like it just it's far too small for me and I also really really do not like the um thumbsticks. Oh, they're yeah. they're way too loose for me. Oh, I don't really? like I don't like that feeling. No. Man, like, I want my I want my thumbstick to barely wiggle at all unless I'm putting an actual amount of force on it. But you know how you can fix that on these with a seventy dollar Pro controller, Sam. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. So this is, and okay, this is so actually... you want you want to <laughs> real? Could I go off that really quick? Sure. So people are like, I want a Zelda machine. Okay, so you want to pay $300 for your portable Zelda machine, whether that's for good reasons or not. You want to buy the Zelda game, and then you want probably a memory card so you can play something other than Zelda when it comes out. And then you also probably want an actual decent controller like the Pro Controller. Yeah. You're actually looking at a $500 Zelda machine, not a $300 one. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, where I come down on all this is, like, I'm there. I I have my pre-order in. I'm getting it, and I stand by that choice. I'm I'm interested. Like, my my love for this medium is, like, like this is the embodiment of my crazy. It's like, I, I, and, like, honestly, I'll be perfect, I'll be right up front. I love Zelda as a series, uh, full disclosure, this is mortifying. I did not realize it. I'm wearing a Zelda hoodie right now. That's <laughs> very embarrassing. <laughs> that is a deeply embarrassing thing. Uh, and I was about to sit here and be like, fuck Zelda. And then I looked down and there's a goddamn Triforce on my chest. But all, all of that said, I, I'm very skeptical about Breath of the Wild, even. Like, really? The more I, uh, yeah, yeah. The more huh. I learn... You know, you were in love with it at E3. I loved it at E3, but now that I know that like so much of the emphasis is on crafting and climbing towers to open up new areas, <laughs> I, like just the crafting, they're like, well, Link doesn't have a permanent shield set of clothes or sword, and they all degrade and break. I'm mm. like, no, with your open world bullshit. Like, I'm I'm kind of dreading it. But I'm that moron who plays games that he dreads because I have to know. Like, I, I'm I'm fascinated by the creative team that made this game. I'm fascinated by the history of how long it's been in development, how long it's changed. So that's why I'm in. I am there for that. And I'm fascinated by Nintendo's hardware, even at its worst. I own a Virtual Boy. Like, I am interested in exploring uh, failure (laughs) (laughs) which is a strange thing to say uh but like you know for all the things that you just said sam listening to you say like here's the controller if you know you have adult sized hands uh that you're gonna need to play this thing and it's really a 500 dollars investment I could not possibly recommend getting one of these things at launch. I've never even held one, and I can't tell anybody that it's a smart decision to pre-order one or or go get one on launch day, because there there's just from a creative standpoint and from a value standpoint, you know, 
I, I, I'm always that type of person that sits there and is like, you know what, the cost of the thing shouldn't matter. It should be its creative merit. But that's bullshit, and, you know, cost does matter. So, but from both ends, the creative aspect of if you're interested in hardware and if you're interested in Zelda and Nintendo games especially, and if you're looking for something new to use money on, if you, if there, if you want a new gaming system, I just don't see how the Switch is... A recommendable choice right now like all of these issues that all three of us have discussed like susan you saying there's just not enough game you know even in zelda which is a lot of game there's not enough game yet later this year and these hardware issues and dave you talking about like it, it just the the fact that you know who knows when a lot of these games are even gonna come out you brought up binding of isaac and sam you talking about the the actual cost of having the switch and getting the most out of it Woof, man. Uh, I feel like the the pertinent question is, what in the hell are you doing, Nintendo? <laughs> we're uh we're back where we started. Uh, I so next week, uh, when our when we record our next episode, at least two of us will have a switch, uh, and the other two likely will not, but. Be be prepared, because next week we will absolutely be talking about what it's like to actually spend some time with these things, uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll have some more games to talk to you about. There's some interesting stuff out next week. Uh, Horizon is actually out the day after you will be listening to this, so we'll, we may well revisit that. Susan, are you going to be playing Horizon between now and then? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, I, uh, I am. You're ensconced. You're ensconced I, in, a, in a game at the moment. I am. I am. I am currently playing something that I'm not allowed to tell anybody uh, about. But oh dear God, I want to. Um, oh, but I do have a copy of Horizon, and I am very, very intrigued by it. Uh, things that I have been told about it are super my jam. So I may, I may take a little vacation from the other game that I am playing uh, in mm. order to fire that up. To fire it up. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have some of that to talk to you about. If there's anything that you want to hear us talk about, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, which was a spoiler cast, we did an all-spoiler cast at the request of our listeners. If there's anything that you want to hear, get in touch with us. You can reach us on Twitter, uh, at GamesRadar. You can reach Susan, it's at SusanArnt, or at David Ro- or da- at David Robots for Dave, at A. John Agnello for myself, it's the indefinite article, not the definite article. A John Agnello. Uh, not the John Agnello. A John Agnello. <laughs> and you can get in touch with Sam at Sam Prell. Uh, and his icon is a little dapper dog man these days. Uh, and we will respond to you. We, re- we, we see those things. Until then, thank you for listening. And remember, everybody, in anime... You can do anything you want. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs>